Does everyone like and ready and feeling just wonderful? Okay. Good. I'm glad. Now let us all close our eyes and fix our full attention at the point between the eyebrows. Let us see there the light of God shining in all of its glory. Let us feel his infinite presence within us everywhere equally present around us. Let us see ourselves surrounded by a flame of his eternal light wherein all of our good can come to us because it is pure and all that is evil is refined and burned in that fire of God. Let us know that indeed this is true and feel it. Know our oneness with him and the fact that he is our father and he loves us beyond our power to imagine. Let us pray to him. O Heavenly Father, Heavenly Father, Divine Mother, Divine Mother, Beloved Jesus Christ, Blessed Master, Saints and Sages of all religions, I bow to all of you. Free my life from all obstacles. And give me physical, mental, and spiritual development. Make my mind thy temple. Make my heart thy altar. Make my love thy home. Be thou the only king. Reigning on the throne of my consciousness. chapter 3 beginning with verse 23 and whatsoever ye do do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto men knowing that of the Lord ye shall receive the reward of the inheritance for ye serve the Lord Christ but he that doeth wrong shall receive for the wrong which he hath done and there is no respect of persons. I wonder how many of us really do things, every single thing we do, just with the thought that we're doing it for the Lord alone. If we aren't, we should be. We definitely should be. Because Without him, we cannot move, nor breathe, nor have our being. It is a question of attitudes. You can have a negative attitude, or you can have a positive attitude. Now, your positive attitude 
is one that no matter what the seeming appearance of things is that you see God and good in them because in truth he is there and that good is already there it is like the story I told a few weeks ago where the lady went up and St. Peter showed her into this room and she saw these scads and scads of packages all wrapped up with the names of so many human beings on earth and she asked him what those packages were and he said that these were the good things that were supposed to be given to the people on earth but they hadn't laid, laid claim to them so your good is waiting for you in heaven now in the spirit all you have to do is to reach out and lay hold of it but you have to do it positively you have to look for the good the wonderful the beautiful and you have to be willing to do your share for God each morning when you awake you should say to him the first thought should be of him Lord here am I take me use me as you will and then make yourself a blueprint for that day decide what your objective is going to be and carry it through but do it positive, positively knowing that you are going to accomplish your goal no great thing in this world was ever accomplished except first you had the idea of it the idea appeared to you as a vision something you read something that someone said to you and you reached out for that and immediately you wanted to make it your own just like you go down the street downtown and you look in the department store windows and you see a beautiful gown or you see a suite of furniture displayed in a window and you say if I ever have the kind of a place I want that's the kind of furniture I'm going to have or if I ever have the money that's the kind of a dress I'm going to buy or that's the kind of a suit I'm going to have and so you build yourself a dream from the desire of your heart and you want that which you see because you think it's something nice something perfect something beautiful something that will satisfy you you do this and so every dream is laid in that same way and the dream of God realization is not different because that dream of becoming one with your father not that you are not already one with him because you are but you have to become aware of it that must be laid on such a foundation you think of God and at first you think of someone something nebulous you know we speak of God as spirit and we don't know how to visualize him as spirit is he space is he the skies the moon the stars the sun what is he is he the breeze that blows the soft wind the water or he, is he just what this is the way you think of him and so he in his infinite mercy creates a form and he dwells in that form and we take that form as our ideal 
that one is to be the bridge between us and the infinite. And we use that one to intercede for us with the Heavenly Father. Then we think of him suddenly as the Father. Well, now that's different from the Spirit. Does he wear a long beard? Is he a young father or an old father? Huh? We don't know. You know what he is? He's whatever we make him in our imagination, in our dreaming, in our envisioning. That's what God is. To some, he is found in music. To some, in beautiful works of art. To some, in literature. You think of these wonderful words that are used to describe these things. And we must have words. We can't have just silence. Because we have to have balance in all things. Because silence in itself, while it is tremendously powerful and can project even into the minds of men deliberately by those who have attained high powers in God. Nevertheless, the masses can't be reached that way. And if we're ever to work with humanity as a whole, we have to approach the whole thing right from where we stand and face them. We have to meet them first on their own ground. Sometimes we even have to get down and grovel with them a little bit. You know, become buddy-buddy, so to speak. And say, well, I know what your problem is. I was there. And it's the one who retains the humanness that can be used in the divine sense is the one that has the magnetic quality to reach out and get for God that interest, that desire. That's something else. I was told that little Carol Smith said one night that I made God, what was it you said, sound like such fun. It, like it was such fun to go to God. Somebody told me your mother, didn't you say that? No. One night she said this. <laughs> your mother just said you did. So, and maybe I'm a good saleswoman. But you know, before you can sell something, you have to be enthusiastic about your product. And I am so enthusiastic about God that how can I help but sell him? And to me, God is all things. He's everywhere equally present in every form, in every atom of space, in every whispering leaf. God is there, every beautiful flower. I see him. Now, this is my attitude. But there are those who see God, and they don't call him by that name. But they wear a long face you know, all like this. And they go around squinting and frowning. And they are burdened down with the burdens. God knows how many burdens they've imposed upon themselves. And they do this. They don't think that God is capable of carrying their burdens. Because they know that they are separate from him. And so they have to carry them. And they have to keep on carrying it and carrying it like Sisyphus rolling the stone up the hill on his back. Hmm? Or carrying it up, I should say. It's true. They pack it and they pack it, and it's unending. And they keep saying, oh, if I can ever attain the state that you have, if I can ever find God and be like you are, but they already are. The only difference is I know it and they don't. And I had to pay the price for knowing, otherwise I never would have known it. And this is the truth. And when you know that truth, that you are indeed God, then that truth makes you free. 
And you no longer have to carry that burden because you know that the Lord packs it. It's like the man that got on the train and he had a very heavy suitcase. When he first got on the train before it started, he sat suitcase or sat suitcase down alongside of him himself. But when the train started, somehow he was so used to packing everything himself that he took the suitcase and put it on top of his head, thinking that if he didn't take it off the seat and put it on his own head, it wouldn't arrive at the same time at the same place with him. Now this is ridiculous, but this is what people do. They have to pack their burdens. But it's the attitude with which you pack any burden because don't forget that whatever pain comes to you is a purifying process. And it's a definite indication that the work within you is being done to dissolve the human ego in order that the divine within you might express. But when you get God realization, that isn't the end of all things in the earth. Now we're going through a period now which is called Lent. It's a period of fasting, of penitence, of dwelling upon the passion of the Lord as he went the way of his own cross. This fasting, at the time before you're ready for this crucifixion of the human or the personal, is the fasting from sin because you have become so in love with God that he is your infinite beloved and you want to surrender yourself and everything you have at his feet and you have made yourself holy you have given up things you have fasted from your desires I was a Catholic for many years and I remember when I was a little girl of having given up candy for the whole period of Lent or something that I like to eat real well or going to shows something like that but I didn't realize the real significance that this fasting period before Good Friday and the final crucifixion of the eagle was symbolic of the fast that man must have at the time he prepares himself to go through this crucifixion from all desires for worldly for earthly things because that desire gradually leaves you and you think nothing matters except you give yourself to God you must take me Lord here am I you've got to do this and so this fasting comes in this abstinence and you go up in the mountain and you are indeed tempted of Satan he reminds you of all of the things that you had out of the world he wants to give you the world why not he can keep control over you if he does that if you will accept but you go on because you're that way and if you are in love with God all the way you don't listen to him and you say get me behind, get thee behind me Satan and you keep on going and going and going and you don't know what the experience is going to be like but it doesn't matter to you at that point because you are willing to sacrifice yourself all of this Bible is symbolic it's tremendous of the actual experience which goes on in every human being and we do it all for God so each day we think of the things within ourselves that are not desirable and that we want to replace them with the things of the Lord the things that are good and the things that are wonderful and beautiful and are we giving up by so doing anything that is going to be of any value to us 
We're giving up these few little things in order that we can have everything. Because God realization is not the end of everything. It is the fulfillment of everything, both human and divine. Because God is both. He can't be one and not the other because he created this human body. And he dwells inside it. It's a tremendous thing when you think of it. That wherever you go, God is there. That that's how he knows everything you do. Because he dwells within you. He is your very self. So how in the world can you get away with anything? How can you escape him? This is my temple and yours. The temple of the living God. It is the cathedral, if you will. I read a wonderful story in a book my son gave me the other night. And this story told about a little man who lived in a, in a village. And his job was a very lowly one. Each day he had to go and take a pickaxe and chip away at boulders and make blocks of stone out of them. So he would chip and he would lift and he would cut and he would stack. And this went on. He worked for his employer day after day after day. And each time he got one big boulder all cut into bricks, there was another one waiting for him. And for 20 years this went on, day after day. And his task seemed endless. And he thought, what is life worth? He became a crippled, gnarled old man. Finally, one day his employer sent him into a village on a business errand. Not a village, a city, I should say. And as he went along looking at all the wonderful things in the shop windows, he'd never seen anything like this before. He got in the traffic ox carts in those days. And this traffic was even greater than anything he had seen in this humble place where he had dwelt always. And all of a sudden, in front of him, he saw this magnificent edifice, the Cathedral of Notre Dame. It was beautiful, magnificent. And he went up. He started examining it. He looked at the cathedral. He looked at the tall towers of it, all of its beauty. Then he looked at its foundation. And then he saw the reason, the result of all his efforts, because that foundation was built with the very stones that for 20 years he had shipped out and cut and stacked. And it built a cathedral. Now, he could have looked at himself and did for 20 years as being a man with just a pickaxe, cutting rock. But all of a sudden, he had the vision of himself as a man who had laid the foundation for a house of God. You can go to two men working, and it has been done. You can ask the one man, what are you doing? He's digging a hole in the ground. And he says, I'm digging a hole. You ask the other man. He said, I'm building a cathedral. Do you see the difference in the vision? Do you see the difference between the positive and the negative? The man who has a dream, the man who has a vision, the man who has a goal. And this is what we must keep no matter what we're doing. If we choose any particular work in our lives, let us build the foundation for that work. Let us keep the vision of it. But let us see the finished product always as the thing which is going to be completed. 
And if we don't ever let go of that vision just as sure as anything, it will come to pass. Because the mind has infinite possibilities. Infinite. And the power that is within you of God, of that infinite intelligence, is so great that I can't begin to tell you what you could do if you were to lay hold of it and use it for Him. And without thought of reward, because the doing of it for the Lord is sufficient reward unto itself. And what you do, openly your Father rewards you in heaven. What you do, He rewards you. Now to do this, you go into the stillness of your mind. You still your thoughts. You're just a victim of your thoughts today. Your thoughts are running hither and thither and yon, all over the place. And you're like a marionette being pulled on the string this way and that way. You are not master of yourselves. All of your desires are your thoughts, your hates, your hatreds, your likes, your loves. All of this in the human sense. They master you. Wouldn't it be wonderful to be the master of yourself? To be able to control your thinking and to so focus your powerful mind upon your objective that you gave it such power of God that of necessity it had to fulfill itself and it will. This is the promise given to us over and over and over again in the Bible. Whatsoever you shall pray for believing you have it, you shall receive it. Why do we not realize how much time we waste? You know, in India, each nation has a sin. And they have a karma. The nation has a karma to pay as well as the individual. Edgar Casey has brought this out many times in some of his prophetic readings. He's a great prophet, or was a great prophet while he lived here in America. And he brought this out, that each nation has a karmic pattern. And in accordance with the acts of that country as a nation, it also has a karma to reap. So if you attack somebody else one day, somebody's going to attack you. If you do this or do that or give good or fail to give it, somebody else is going to do it to us as a nation. And so also, this applies <coughs> to individuals. Whatever goes out for you, from you comes back to you in minute degree. That is the law of God and of man <coughs> who cannot escape it. It is an absolute fact. So, let us take India. India is a country that puts renunciation ahead of everything else. And because she has renounced the world, the world does not support her in the sense of day-to-day -day living. She is a poor country, and yet she is a rich country. She has untold wealth, but yet the poverty there is beyond belief. I saw this with my own eyes, little children that were so hungry for food that they were nothing but skin and bones, and from malnutrition, their stomachs were sticking out like that, bloated. I saw little pipe stems for arms with just the skin covering them. I saw where children had been abducted and some of them had been maimed to be used so they could be used as beggars to get sympathy. 
and their little arms had been bound until they grew that way. All they could do would be to hold out the hand with the little sad expression on the face, begging for alms. This is India. And India has done this because she has sought only for the self. Now you could say that she isn't selfish because she wants only to find God within herself, which is what we're told we must do. But there isn't balance there because having found God within yourself, you must find him in the universal sense, otherwise you haven't found him completely. You don't have complete God realization. Because if he is in the silence, in the self, then he's everywhere equally present. And if you find him within yourself, then you must live him outwardly. You must realize what the Christ said, that he wanted all to be together, regardless of race, color, or creed. It was a Catholic religion, which means universal. He wanted everybody to come together. And he made it plain time after time that ye love one another as I have loved ye. One another. So we should serve one another. We should give this service without thought of self that we're doing it for this man, for ourselves, for our own enlightenment, for this and that and the other thing, but only for God, only for God. And therefore, we must give him of the perfection within ourselves. Now, America has gone to the other extreme. America thinks of the little self and all of its desires. And there is far too little of going within to find the divine self. And that's the only place you can find him, although he is equally present. It is only after you've gone within yourself and obeyed the admonition of Jesus the Christ to enter into your secret closet, to pray unceasingly, that it really happens. And then you, having found him within yourself, you know that in truth you are he. Then, as you open your eyes, there is a new body in Christ. The old man has disappeared. Then you have to rise with him because there is more than just the crucifixion. You have to ascend. And just as it took three days to descend into the hell of your own being or the subconscious, so also after you've resurrected from that, there must be the ascension into the kingdom of God wherein the Christ sits at the right hand of the Father. And don't forget if he says, Lo, I am with you always, it means that he is your part of God. He dwells within you. He always was there. He is and he always will be. And he will never leave you. And he pays the price vicariously. That Christ within you for every wrong you do. You crucify him. You put a crown of thorns on his head and a spear in his side and nails in his hands and his feet. You do that to your own Christ when you do the things that are not right. And you dare not to follow him, to serve him. We should become in this group 
who have the privilege of something so tremendous that the Master came to give. The real truth, not the orthodox, not that watered-down ritualistic truth, but the real truth of God, that which the Christ said, let he who hath an eye, let him see. He who hath an ear, let him hear. To ye it is given to know the truth, he said to his disciples, but to others in parables. We should be working together in harmony. We should be the examples of oneness, of brotherly love, of doing all things right in God, so that we can become the waste showers and not following what's happening in the world today like a bunch of sheep. Let us rather learn to be shepherds of men, fishers of men, to cast our lines into the water and to snare all those. Put them in the net, those that truly want God. Because the time is here and we are the way showers, all of us that believe so vividly, so wonderfully, so beautifully in the Christ. And we know that he will come a second time within the heaven of our own being, out of the clouds of heaven. Because that kingdom of heaven is within, said the Christ. We, when we make ourselves ready to receive him. But we come. We speak about God and about the Christ. And about good, about the divine, the wonderful, the beautiful. And how long do we keep it with us? Do we go home from these meetings uplifted, refreshed, with the inspiration and desire to really turn over a new leaf and make something of our lives? Or do we immediately go home and think about all of the humdrum things and just exist and never live? That's a tremendous thing. I have been through such suffering, such tremendous experiences I have known nor ever read anyone else has gone through. And I wouldn't give up one of them because it was necessary for me personally to do this. This is why God sent me. He has shown me it's been confirmed by many of the saints. But I wouldn't give up one minute of it because it was the price I had to pay for what I have, whatever that may be. But whatever it is, it is of God. It is not mine individually, except I can say that it is because God and I are not different. I and my Father are one. And Christ also said, He who has seen the, me has seen the Father. And how can it not be so when the Lord dwells in each and every one of you? And me too. As I look at each of you, I can see God in you. How could he not be there? Because he is everywhere equally present. He is the motivating force of your being. He is spirit encased in a garment of matter, of flesh and bones and blood. And we wait in each day we're going to do it tomorrow. Day after day passes, week after week passes, month after month passes, year after year passes. And what have we done about it? Exactly nothing. And so we carry this burden like the suitcase on our heads. We carry it. And we beat ourselves to death with it. And everybody else in the process because we get so irritable because we can't shed it. So we go along putting on a bright front, you know, we are this, we're that, we're something else. And inside we're miserable. We haven't ever really lived. And 
And it's a tremendous thing, no matter how much the suffering, to say you've left. I don't want to miss a minute of it. I remember 12 years ago in India, a promise came into the ashram, and I, it was before I went through this tremendous experience. And he wanted to read my palm, so he read it. He said very gleefully, because they don't like life over there very well. They want to get off of this uh, wheel of life and birth and rebirth. He said, um, oh, you're going to leave the body in seven years. That was 12 years ago. He looked at me as though I should be very happy. I said, no, I'm not. He looked shocked. I said, no, I don't want to die. I don't want to leave the body. You don't? No, I don't. I said, I want to be here for a long time because God is life. And life is eternal. And I said, I don't want to limit myself. I said, if I'm surrendered to God, then it's up to him when I come and when I go. I'm not anxious to get I might miss something. And I don't want to miss a thing in this life. I want to live it up, but I want to do it right, you know. I want all the good things. I like to watch all the other people making fools of themselves sometimes. <laughs> <and I think. laughs> God, how perfectly silly you act sometimes in all these forms in which you encase yourself, you know? <laughs> it's really fun to watch them. <laughs> you know, a um, long time ago, Father was head of a department, and so they used to have these um, cocktail hours for the uh, salesmen uh, as a reward for having done a really wonderful job, you know, uh, made their quota and all this sort of thing. And so, because I was his wife, I was hauled to all of these parties and had to act as the hostess. But I didn't drink, so I'd get a glass of ginger ale with some ice cubes, and I'd wander around and talk to all the people and act as hostess, while all the rest of them would be taking out of the punch bowl, you know, with the stick in it. So they would get a little more valuable and they're talking all the time and a little more excited and they would come and ask me to dance and they'd tell me how lovely and beautiful I wasn't at my age. That was really something. So anyway, I just sat there and, and watched them. But you know, I used to, to detest going to these things in the beginning because I was at that stake uh, where I wanted to be just the pure and the holy and like I was describing before. I was on a state of fasting from the desires of the world and sometimes it would even hurt my body to be in such a vibration. But I came to know that God had a purpose in putting me there because out of all these people there would be a few who wouldn't be drinking and even some who were who would be interested in talking about God. And I found some tremendous souls there. So it just goes to show that no matter where you go, God is there. And he takes you at certain places, to certain places, for his own plan and his own purpose. And when you're completely surrendered to him, listening for his voice, that still small voice, that John the Baptist, that oil of intuition which comes to you from God constantly. You listen and listen, and then you go by what it tells you, how it feels inside. Then the knowledge of the truth comes to you. And you know that it's true when what you feel comes to pass. And so when you feel a certain way, and you felt that way before, and what you felt has happened, you learn to have faith and trust in it. So you do this. You have faith in God. And then you do the best you can. And you get so that your whole consciousness is just sucked in every minute, no matter how you act, what you're doing, anything about it. 
I have a lot of fun, you know. A lot of people looking at me lots of times would say, she's spiritual. Because I'm having such a ball. I'm having more fun than anybody. You know, just playing and all. But I want to do that. Because if I stayed upstairs all the time in the way that I really am inside, I get rather lonesome in the human sense. So I like a lot of company around me. I like to see God and I like to play with Him in all of His forms everywhere. I like to enjoy life, but the best of life. I want to do for others as I would be done by. You know, when you stop to think about it, there's so much going on, particularly with the young people today, that is certainly not good. But I wonder if any of them ever think when they dream up these things to do, these acts of destruction, the way they show disrespect to their elders, to their teachers, to everybody else, how they would like it if that were to happen to them. If they were the teacher, if they were the owner of a piece of property, if they were the custodians of certain things, and someone should come along and treat them like they're treating other people, how would they like it? So you should do unto others as you would be done by, because don't forget whatever you get out, you're going to get back in some form or other. The law is inevitable. You cannot escape it, whether you know it or not. So build your dream. Build your cathedral on a firm foundation. See it in all of its splendor, its beauty, its perfection. As a finished thing, and never let go of it until you've accomplished the complete building. And you will get it. And that's a promise. You cannot fail. Because God within you, who knows all things, even that which you want before you mention it to him, will personally and divinely see to it. And when you go into this deep silence and you go beyond this normal human thought process, you find yourself one with everything there is. And you see your good unfolding within you see it manifesting from the farthest corner of the earth. You are not limited by any one place, any one job, any one anything. Because if you are one with God, everything that the Father has is yours. That's the promise that the Christ made. And that's what he said he had himself. And he came to show us the way that we too might become like him. Not him, but like him. That makes the difference. Because he dwells in every heart. And his consciousness is in every atom of space. Lift your eyes into the hills. And you will find him there. In all of his radiance. His peace. His power. His wonder. His glory. I cannot find adjectives sufficient to tell you the experiences I have had with my Lord. I can only invite you to do as you have been trained, to meditate, to do your prayer, to keep your vows to God and Guru, and to love one another, and to work together in complete harmony, serving 
one and the other. Life will become a glorious thing, a wonderful thing. Your whole life will change, and you will see God there. Father which art in heaven. Our Father which art in heaven. Hallowed be thy name. Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. Thy will be done. In earth as it is in heaven. In earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses. And forgive us our trespasses. As we forgive those who have trespassed against us. As we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation. And lead us not into temptation. But deliver us from all evil. But deliver us from all evil. For thine is the kingdom. For thine is the kingdom. And the power. And the power. And the glory. And the glory. Forever. Forever. Amen. that I want to make. Rimshi Sirkane has been in the hospital for the last couple of weeks. He had a heart attack, angina, and I went up to see him today, and he sent his love and best wishes to all of you, and I would like to request your prayers for him. I think that he'll probably be released Monday now from the hospital, but uh, he was quite ill, and they wanted to keep him quiet. And uh, then also our next service will be on Good Friday, and then we will have Easter morning service here at 11 o'clock. And we will have Sunday school service for the children downstairs. Now those who have been coming to the adult group will come to the service up here and the little ones will be downstairs. And I'll appoint somebody, I don't know who yet, to um, officiate with them if they will be so kind. And then the older children can also join in in whatever Easter fun we plan so that they won't be left out just because they're not downstairs in Sunday school. But we haven't had an Easter service for a long, long time. And I think it would be nice because if I go to India this fall, it might be a long, long time before I'm around to enjoy another one with you, and I want to do that. So let's all plan on that. So I'm going down to um, uh, Oregon next uh, Saturday, and I'll be there until the following Thursday, and so I'll be back in time for the service. And then the following week, I'm going down to California for a little bit, but we will still continue the meetings. I'm going to give some of you a chance to be ministers. We used to do this regularly, and we had a lot of fun with it years ago, didn't we, Carol? <laughs> it was wonderful. Jean, you gave mm-hmm. service then. Wynn, Gordon. So Phil will start it off if he so desires, and uh, Gary was uh, one of our... I never will forget the time <laughs> Gary was always very dramatic in the way he started us out. He got up and he started this sermon, and uh, I've forgotten just what he said now, but all of a sudden he said he had 
forgotten what he was going to say and he went and sat down and immediately being the mother and the minister I thought I should get up there and do it for him and so then he got up after a few minutes and he said uh, well that's uh, the way I would act if I had a negative approach and didn't have faith in God or something to that effect <laughs> it was just not, nothing like scaring me out of seven years growth <laughs> but these things are good and so when I am gone, I want this group to continue on. I want you to come regularly, just as you do, come to hear me. And to help one another and listen to one another. And conceivably, get from God in one another. If you will let yourselves, because everybody has God within them. And God speaks differently through each one, and he has a message. I'll never forget this one time that I went down expecting to see my guru standing up there and it was on an Easter Sunday giving a sermon instead it was Reverend Bernard and at that time Reverend Bernard was wearing long blonde hair down to here and he had a very thin face and on him it didn't look good. So I was so disappointed I didn't know what to do and I thought I can't stand it I've got to get out of here I've journeyed all the way from Seattle down to Los Angeles. Master isn't here. And all of a sudden I thought, well, there must be some reason for it. So I sat and I listened. And I was having a little bit of difficulty with my eldest daughter at that time. And out of that man's mouth came every single thing I needed in order to understand her and to handle her property. And I went home and used it and it worked. And he was the blessed instrument that gave me the answer that I needed. Because the guru speaks through the disciple because God and Guru are not different and when any one of you will stand in this spot and not do it yourself but let God do it through you then that is God the Guru who is speaking through you many have seen this form disappear in years past and my master stand in my place many and I, many times I speak of different subjects and I think, well, I'll go to the lessons and see what masters had to say about it. And there it is, almost word for word, like it came out of me. So don't think that because I'm not here that you shouldn't come. I shall be very disappointed in each and every one of you if you do that. Because then you don't want God. And I tell you so frankly to your faces, you just don't. And you don't follow God nor the Christ and forbear and trust and love one another and give each other a chance to become his ministers because the day will come when I'm not going to be here in this body and you're going to have to carry on the work that has been started and you better know how to do it and there's no better practice place in this whole world than right here and now and no better place to start than right within yourself and let's not keep waiting but let's get with it now let's change our lives and become that which we should be so that we can be his blessed instruments because there's a tremendous job to be done in this world today and God needs every one of us working together shoulder to shoulder with one common objective to serve him in divine love so I'll be gone just a few weeks and then I'll be back God help you <laughs> <laughs>